Welcome to Cellular Agriculture for a Pandemic-Free Future. My name is George Ortega. This is episode 35. I'm recording it on Monday, August 24th, 2020, at about 8.04 p.m. Eastern Time. And um, I want to start this episode with an establishment of authority. Um, you know, when, when we're addressing the coronavirus in terms of science and medicine, we appeal to authorities. You know, so we trust the epidemiologists. We trust the scientists who tell us how dangerous this is, what we need to do to be safe. Um, basically, I'm presenting something that, that is challenging to our American society to our global society. And so someone might ask, well, what's my authority in, in coming to this conclusion? Why should you believe me aside from the reason, the ration, rationale of it, the, um, you know, the arguments, the, the logical arguments? And so I wanna address that. Um, I have to become a bit biographical about this. Um, I ordinarily don't do this on this series, but I think it might be helpful to, to go there today. So um, back in 1990, 91, 92, somewhere around there, um, I was given an IQ test, an intelligence test. And um, so I was given the results and I was told that my IQ was 143, uh, the Wexler scale. I'm sorry, that the um, 140, the Wexler scale, 143, the Stanford Binet scale. Um, and for years, I just like, I didn't think about it. I, you know, I always thought I was intelligent, but you know, now um, 143 on the Stanford Binet, that the equivalent is being in the 99.64th percentile. And to, 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 to describe, to explain the relative significance of, of that, um, let's, let's go to my, the, the profession that I admire most in the world because they do so much good and because they have to train so many years to do this good are doctors. Doctors save so many lives. They make our lives so much better than they would be otherwise, okay? And what's interesting is that among all the professions, including rocket scientists and um, nuclear physicists, uh, quantum physicists, including every other discipline, it turns out that doctors have the highest IQ. Okay, well, their IQ on average, the IQ of the average doctor is about 120. So, so my IQ, IQ is, is almost 25 points higher than that. And it's within the realm of the average Nobel laureate. Okay, so um, why is, is this IQ important? We, we live in a world where people work really hard to obtain advanced degrees, get their doctorate, you know, and that established for, establishes them for them th these credentials of expertise. Now, sometimes this 
these credentials are justified. They're verified through what they actually know, their, their, their expertise, what, what they actually can do, like with doctors. Often, um, often it, it, it grants certain people in our society an undeserved, perhaps, or an unwise um, authority, uh, an authority that, that we might not be so wise in conferring to them. So um, now let's, let's pull this back to, um, to what, I've, what this series, series presents and and um and why it is you know why you should you know consider that what i'm saying is um is important to understand you know not just for the reason but, but because it's coming from someone who relatively speaking is much more intelligent and and, and not in the sense of social intelligence or or musical or, or athletic intelligence, but in the, the sense of logical intelligence that IQ tests measure, you know, the vast majority of, of people. Um, so when you, when you hear our experts, like our epidemiologists, for example, or our pandemic prevention experts, hear about what we need to do to prevent future pandemics, very few of them are talking about farming animals, you know, about you know, how our farming animals is actually the root cause of these pandemics, without which we would be living in, in a virtually pandemic-free world. Um, so I, I, you know, I struggle to, to, to understand why they neglect to, uh, to address this issue. Uh, one one possibility is that um, if you have a person of somewhat above average intelligence, relatively about average intelligence for an academic, um, viewing these kinds of um, circumstances like our coronavirus and, and you know, what caused it and what we need to do to be safe in the future, they may not be um, able to intellectually think on a grand enough scale. In other words, like to the average epidemiologist, um, the idea of stopping factory farming wouldn't be within the realm of their, their consideration, not just because it's not within the realm of their professional expertise, but it it's probably not within the realm of their mindset. You know, and even like with doctors, doctors, again, like I, I, I admire them profoundly uh, because not, they're not just so good that they are, you know, relatively much more intelligent than, than, um, than most people. But to be trained as a doctor, um, it's kind of like to be trained as a, nuclear physicist, a physicist in general, is to be trained to do something really well, to understand something really well, to perform, let's say you're a surgeon, to perform certain procedures really well. And um, they're not really encouraged, nor is it brought out from them within their training, the, uh, the ability, the attribute uh, of of expansive thinking, outside of the box thinking, you know, thinking that 
you know, Einstein, I, I believe, once said that um, that all great ideas are um, at first considered crazy or something like that by medio mediocre minds. You know, there's another saying, I don't know who it's attributed to, that, you know, an idea is crazy until it, um, I forget, it, it happens or something, until it's not. All right, so, so again, so like, now let's, again, pull this back to what I'm saying. $50 billion, you know, to fast track the development of this cellular agriculture industry so that instead of having to wait 10, 15 years for these products to be in supermarkets at competitive prices so that people you know, have enough incentive to transition from buying meat and fish and dairy that comes from animals that are abused and tortured and lead to these pandemics to these clean meat products that are not only absolutely essential to um, creating a pandem pandemic-free future, but that are so much healthier for, for us you know, individually. So $50 billion, oh, that may seem like a lot to you. And, and, and I'm not advocating this get, you know, this get spent, this get, you know, distributed, you know, in January, uh, well, I mean, Biden will, will I, I imagine, be inaugurated um, on the 20th, somewhere around there um, in January. But by, by March, by, by the, you know, the spring of 2021, it makes consummate sense to release these funds to the biologists, the chemists, the engineers that are responsible for solving the research challenges that yet need to be solved for us to um, to scale up the industry from growing from going from growing these this meat and fish and dairy in, in petri dishes and labs to mass scale production so that we could have tons of, of, of each of these food products available, you know, initially at comparable prices to what we buy and eat, you know, that come from animals now, but eventually at much lower prices. Meaning, of course, that, that we could, you know, that people in the world who don't have enough money to afford meat that comes from animals would easily have enough money to afford this lab-grown clean meat. So again, $50 billion, that may seem like a lot, but consider, you know, I've mentioned this before and I'll mention it again because it's so important uh, um, in terms of its um, relative um, significance. In May, the Congressional Budget Office, United States Congressional Budget Office, predicted that when we're done, all you know, done with this COVID-19 pandemic, the U.S. will have spent eight trillion dollars. You know, and that's that's you know that's not even taking into account the 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 the, the lives lost, the illnesses, the, the the some you know so much else that we're going through because of this. You know, let's just focus on, on the, the numbers, the math right now. $8 trillion. So, so how much does $50 billion represent of that? One half of 1%. How, how are scientists, how the media, how politicians, how people are not talking about this is beyond understanding.
So let's pull back to the, uh, the question of IQ intelligence. Yes, if, if you're like the average person, you know, you, you, you're intelligent enough to know to not rock the boat. You know, when you're in med school or, you know, you're you know, law school, whatever it is, you understand that your career to a great extent depends on your towing a certain line. You know, your, 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 your ability to work within the system and not be a threat to it. And in this case, of course, we're, we're referring to threat to the livestock industry. So, so between, you know, their relatively, again, um, weaker intelligence uh, relative to mine and, and, and their career constraints, their professional constraints, it's understandable that this message may not be coming from them. You know, but, but again, um, it's, there is no other way to be safe from future pandemics. Um, but to, to completely end the farming of animals. You know, that's the reality. And, um, and so, so we, need to, we need to understand that. We need to, to appreciate uh, that reality. And so let's go, why? Why, why is that the only way? Um, and, and, and of course, the ideal, which I would advocate, I, I would like absolutely advocate this beyond you know, above cellular agriculture, if the world were to go vegan, if we stopped eating animals, we, we don't need animals to be healthy and thrive. You know, the, the Williams sisters in tennis, they're both vegans, they're, they're amazingly fit. A lot of, you know, athletes that do really well do not eat animal products. They actually are healthier because of that. So, but, you know, I, I understand that, um, that's a big, big ask. You know, that's, you know, that's a lot to ask for from people who have been told for decades that, you know, well, you know, you really need the meat, you know, you, you know, meat is very good for you and all. Um, so, so that's, that's the reason why, um, why cellular agriculture is so important. You know, it, that's why, you know, it really provides our only, you know, reasonable chance and and it would, it's a it's a it's a powerful protectant though in other words like there was i was watching a video i'm gonna have to do a bit more research with an expert in the field and uh, i've got to call up the video again maybe i can um view it again get the person's name uh follow up on it but one one person in a panel that we're discussing how to prevent future pandemics um suggested that the livestock industry is um, responsible for 95 plus percent of, of these pandemics you know so so you know just do the do the the logic so if that's the case then to to shift from livestock from farming animals to cellular agriculture is going to make us 95 plus safer from pandemics okay um and again, I want, you know, why is cellular agriculture our only, you know, again, given that we're not going to go vegan, if we go vegan, I'd, I'd love to be wrong on that, you know, uh, I would absolutely, you know, if, if, if we had an epiphany, a moral reformation, a, you know, a leap of conscience, and our world became um, vegan, that would be so much better than cellular agriculture. But, you know, 
what why is um you know that considered um cellular agriculture um, our only means of, of remaining safe of being safe because you know we're not safe now um because the only other option is vaccines universal vaccines you know vaccines that will protect not just against this strain of the coronavirus this sars covid you know cov2 but again against any and all strains or most strains of coronavirus and you might have a different universal vaccine that would protect us against the influenza viruses and uh the different other kinds of avian flu swine flu there, there are different viruses um and so the problem with that you know that that's an that's a great solution that's a great solution from a scientific technological perspective but the problem is that um that will take us 10 20 perhaps 30 years to develop again like i, I keep mentioning that um the AIDS pandemic was identified in the 80s, and they began to work on a vaccine for that. And here, 40 years later, they don't have a vaccine for AIDS, HIV. And that'll tell you how difficult it is to, because like, you know, we have lost 20 million people, you know, throughout the world um, as a result of um, HIV AIDS. So this, this research challenge of scaling up cellular agriculture so that we can have these products in supermarkets at very affordable costs and, and ultimately at, at much better prices, much less expensive prices than our farm-based meat, that would, be, that would be ideal. That would be um, a godsend. Okay. Um, let's let's do some brainstorming now then um if if the logic to this is so powerful so incontrovertible really you know you just you know there, there's nobody saying um anything different i mean anybody who who addresses it some people may not <clears throat> excuse me bring up the issue of, of cellular agriculture you know just focusing on the vaccine but you know they're not promising any any um, quick fixes because they understand um, the challenges that lie ahead. So I mean, so so the challenge before as as this series has developed to further try to understand is is not at this point technological. You know, the challenge at this point to us is moral. And perhaps um, perhaps courageous, you know, because I'm not going to say that, you know, a person of the average intelligence, you know, IQ 100% can understand this, easily understand this. This is not difficult to understand. So it's not that we don't understand, you know, what we face that is preventing us from doing what we need to do. And so, like, let's explore what what some of these um, factors are that are slowing us down, delaying us. Again, one, you know, I referred to before is uh, we're, you know, many of us are, who are in positions of power and positions of, of potential influence are afraid of rocking the boat. You know, they don't want the livestock industry worth $1.3 trillion, you know, after them for, for, um, for advocating its end. 
you know, epidemiologists don't want to be accused of, of, of speculating, theorizing outside of their field, even though, you know, the arguments they could present in favor of self-ag, knowing what they know about how difficult it is to develop vaccines would be powerful and, and effective. Um, most of us, I think, um, we need to have, do some serious soul searching. Um, there was a survey taken a while back and um, there are two groups of people that apparently, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know how accurate this survey is, but are apparently more hated than any other group on the planet. I, I don't know if this was a, a national survey. Um, and the first group is drug addicts, you know, people who are, um, and you know, I, I think we're, we're finally realizing that people are, you know, can, are addicted to recreational drugs or addicted to, to um, medical drugs, the opiate, opioid epidemic. Um, and it's unfortunate that, that, that there's a hatred toward this population who is uh, who's basically a victim of, for example, um, in the case, again, I, I, I respect doctors profoundly, immensely, but they do um, overprescribe opioids, you know, and, and a lot of people suffer because of that. So, um, but this, the second group, the, the group that's second most hated are vegans. That will tell you everything you need to know about the moral depravity of our society, certainly of our, our American society. To, to, to hate the people among us who are being most virtuous, who are sacrificing so much by not eating these animals, who understand the cruelty of these animal farms, of the, especially the factory farms, to hate these people for this goodness, that's depraved. That is really horribly evil, you know? And, and that's, that may explain part of this, you know? Um, people don't want to be faced with, uh, with the evil that we've been doing for decades, and, and they'll do anything they can to avoid facing that including, I suppose, subjecting themselves to uh, pandemics like this. You know, they'd prefer this to, to acknowledging. And all right, now we're going to get a bit deeper during the last five minutes. Um, before doing this, for the last 10 years, you know, starting 2010, um, I've devoted a lot of time to trying, trying to help the world understand that our world's top scientific minds Isaac Newton, Charles Darwin, Sigmund Freud, and Albert Einstein are absolutely 100% correct in concluding that we humans do not have a free will, that we, we, what we think, feel, say, and do is not up to us. Now, it's especially telling that these, three, these four scientific giants, and there's nobody in, in science that compares them on their same level, these three these four um, scientists came to this conclusion on, from, from evidence from three distinct scientific disciplines. You know, um, Newton and Einstein through physics, Darwin through biology, Freud through neuroscience psychology. You know, so, um, so and, and what's the relevance of this? Well, if you believe you have a free will, you, that, that means you, you are fundamentally blaming yourself and everyone about, around you, your, your family, your friends, 
you know, your uh, business associates, you're blaming yourself for this evil. You're blaming yourself for, for your callousness, your indifference to suffering of these animals. And naturally, if, if anybody who knows psychology will, will know that there's a, a defense mechanism in psychology known as um, denial. You know, if we're confronted with, with evidence that, that threatens part of our, our, our self-identity, you know, like our, our identity as we like to think ourselves, of ourselves as good people, we're going to reject that um, evidence. And this is what's happened, incidentally, with climate change. People are, are unable to face the reality that we're causing climate change because that would mean that we're behaving so irresponsibly that we're essentially destroying civilization as we know it for, um, for our, certainly our, our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. You know, and even our children. Actually, you know, at the rate it's progressing, perhaps even ourselves. Because this, this coronavirus, uh, the, the, uh, the extent of coronavirus pandemics is accelerating, not just because there are more people on the planet, more airline flights, more deforestation, uh, but also because the climate is, is, is making this more conducive. You know, apparently the, these viruses um, like the heat. So, um, let's, uh, let's understand, you know, let's, let's come to the acceptance that no, we don't have a free will. You know, we're born into this society and everybody's eating meat and fish and, and, and eggs and, and dairy and nobody's talking about it and nobody's questioning it. This, the experts certainly aren't, the politicians aren't, the clerics aren't, you know. So, so it's completely justifiable, under, understandable for us to, to, to suppose that what we're doing is not evil. Now, you know, again, even, even somebody of an average intelligence, they put two and two together, you know, if they're courageous enough to face it, they understand that, no, this is horrible, regardless of, all, you know, how many people are doing it, regardless of how long it's been done. We came to the same kind of revelation regarding slavery, you know, that's what ended slavery. People finally, you know, took a look at, at that institution and, and, you know, saw its, its, its deeply uh, inhumane character. So, all right, well, I think, uh, again, you know, I, I tried to establish a bit of authority for, uh, for my message. And, um, yeah, if that helps you to, to better appreciate um, what I'm saying, good. You know, because, uh, because the sooner we appreciate this, the sooner we can create this world that, that isn't at a moment's notice, you know, our economy, you know, isn't, isn't so just vulnerable to, to, you know, it could have been a lot worse. You know, the, this coronavirus um, is not especially lethal among um, viruses. So, all right, so I'm, I'm under one minute. Um, so I hope you're having a good Tuesday. Catch the show every Monday through Friday on One Place Community Media, Channel 76. If you get Optimum, 45, you get Verizon. The, um, the episodes are also now in audio version on Spotify, iTunes, and other platforms, and um, on YouTube and, and video. So um, again, there, there are different dimensions to this. We have to ex continue exploring the moral dimension, dimension the political dimension, we have to, you know, because, because the, 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 the more complete our understanding of 
of why we're in this mess, the, the, the sooner and more completely we can uh, rise above it and create a much, much better world. Okay, thanks for watching.